Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here, Art on the Air on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. This is the show where we talk to artists in the community about their exhibitions, their philosophies, everything that they are up to. And I'm not playing my normal intro this week because we have such a jam-packed full episode that I just don't have time to do it. So without further ado, we're going to get into the first of our two interviews this week with The Artists and the Truck, a group of artists and friends that have been showing together, working together, helping each other out, supporting each other for the past 30 plus years. The show was at Location Gallery right now, and I had the chance to talk to them in the second half of this episode. We're going to be playing my interview with Samantha Mack, who has an exhibition opening up this weekend over at Sulphur Studios. But let's dive right in. Here are The Artists in the Truck, conducted via Zoom, including curator and gallery director Peter Roberts of Location Gallery. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes, and I am speaking by Zoom with a number of artists, members of the artists in the truck, Patrick McKinnon, James Graham, Ahmad Jackson. I'm just going to call you Bear because that's what everybody's calling you. That's what everybody does, right? Singular Bear and Joel Crow. And of course, we have Peter Roberts, an artist himself and gallery director over at Location Gallery. So I've spoken to many of you on a number of occasions, and we've learned a lot about the artists in the truck. So I'm not going to get into the background history and all that just now. But I'm going to ask the person who is, who's everybody I've spoken to has said is sort of the grandfather of this group, the wise elder of this group. And James, I'm going to ask you, wise elder, what is this show? What is this version of the artist in, truck, in the truck? What is this one all about? I, I think, uh, well, this is the show that we were supposed to have uh, right before pandemic hit. And we wanted to have it like uh, everything kind of like the same size, like a balanced type thing. As far as, you know, everybody have two or three pieces where it'll tell a story and be the same size. So the flow of all us be kind of like, kind of like the same. Follow up on that storytelling aspect, because I think that that's interesting. So there was sort of a background kind of concept that all the pieces were meant to tell a story. Am I, am I kind of reading that right? Right, right, right. Well, well, on my on my end, it was um, me. Uh, pretty much, you hear you hear a, you hear a DJ say "digging in the crate," and I was I was cleaning <laughs> <laughs> I was cleaning cleaning my garage, and I found uh, my uh, great grandma's and my my great grandmothers and my grandmothers uh, figurines. So I started documenting that, just telling the story of all kind of brought back all kind of memories of. The, the things I couldn't touch when I was small and, and now I now I own it and uh I get to share that with uh the rest of rest of the world. Like actually there was kind of two pieces that really stood out to me that were kind of in a different vein. And maybe we can kind of start talking there just to kind of get the conversation going. And that was the piece Harmony, which showed these four figures kind of all together, contrasting that image to one size fits all. And kind of what you're doing there in, in terms of like a juxtaposition of ideas, that one size fits all, it kind of reminded me of a self-portrait that you did when you and I spoke back in late 2020. Right. And I wanted to 
you know, obviously that had a big story uh, and I want, maybe if you could talk a little bit about one size fits all and, and how that kind of fits into the store, into this, this show and what the story is behind it. Both, both pieces, uh, is based on, uh, hard work. So just by this, that by itself defines this group. So, uh, one size fit all is, uh, everybody has troubles and tribulations and consequences and, this world is heavy sometimes. So just to push, the push through life, the ups and downs is similar to, I, I took the chains as just the weight of life. And sometimes the, the chain is light, sometimes the chain is heavy, but everybody's gonna have troubles and tribulations and it's about how you come out of the, the different situations in life. Well, you know, you mentioned heavy subject matter. So I'm gonna move over to you, Bear, because you had a piece in there that really made me think, and I and I kind of spent some time standing in front of it, and that is the photograph January sixth. Get ready, and right. a lot of your um, you know your images kind of are referencing sort of a small town living, or a, they're they're very much like in place. And that title, of course, you can't hear it and then and think of particular things. So I wonder if you wanted to talk a little bit about that piece, if you would. Sure. So on January fifth, went to vote. And for the uh, unsoft Warnock election, and as I got in my car to leave the election place on Eisenhower, I saw this man standing there, and I read the sign, and the sign said January sixth, get ready, and I was like, you know what? All right, because I, I had purposely left classes at a certain time to go vote. And I was just wondering what's going to go on on this day. And I have uh, a press camera. That's what I use. I use a, a, a baby press camera. That's my go-to now. So when I saw this man holding this sign on January 5th, not knowing mm-hmm. what January 6th was going to be, I was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to capture this moment. So like my philosophy is when I wake up, I bring a camera saying, I wonder what's going to asked me to photograph it today. Oh, love that. You know, so that was one of the cases. So that photograph is taken on January 5th when we are voting here in Georgia for uh, Warnock and Onsoff to win the election, not knowing that the very next day was January 6th as the January 6th that we know. So that's the story behind that. You took the photo, you're wondering, I mean, did, did that flash into your mind like the next day when you start seeing or when you start seeing all these images of this capital attack appear on the news, did it pop into your head at all? Like, oh my God, I saw this guy yesterday, I took his picture. Were you thinking that? Like, what was that moment like for you? Definitely. It was, it was shock. And at the same time, I wasn't surprised, but it was unexpected. Mm. You know, after seeing that sign, I'm like, okay. What's he mean? Get ready. And I mean, there are Trump signs and stuff out there. So it's just like, all right, what's really going to happen? Because I mean, like there's there were there was talk about like, okay, after this, what's going to go on? You know, and when that happened on January 6th, I'm just sitting there thinking about I caught a moment that sort of foreshadowed what was going to happen. And when we're talking about stories, like for me, I love looking at stories of like like Teeny Harris or uh, or Gordon Parks or uh, Ouija 
but we don't necessarily know the stories mm-hmm. behind the photos. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. And I'm a people watcher. So for me, I don't, I don't call, I call myself an opportunist photographer, meaning I'm out there looking for stuff that's telling a story to be shot, as opposed to, I don't consider myself like any type of street photographer and stuff because I don't do that. I don't walk up to people on the street and take a, a photograph. Right. I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, what wants to be shot today? You know, and that was just one of those moments that wanted to be shot for that. Actually, I have another photo. It's, it's actually the, the camera that I use since it's old. Sometimes I have like mistakes that happen. It's actually two images that are layered together, but I only use that one part. On the other part of it is a person holding a sign yelling at the guy saying, Trump lost. Get over it. <laughs> you know, so one day... Once I get a big enough, I, I can project it big enough. I'm going to show the actual entire frame of it. You know, and it's just like, wow, this, oh, this is, is kind of so deep. And actually, there's a news crew filming the guy holding the Trump law sign while he's yelling at the guy holding the January 6th sign. So, I mean, like, that's all one big uh, image. Wow. What a story. I mean, like, there is just so much going on there. There is so much story you know, you see these idiots out on the corner, like waving signs, like all the time. And I think, you know, I'll say for me is like, I'm just, I just kind of take it for granted that they're just idiots waving signs and they're not really gonna like do anything. You know what I mean? That's what they want you it, to think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really powerful. You know, I want to um, ask you, Peter, because you have these images, you're installing them in location gallery, but location gallery is in Austin Hill Realty. And I wonder, I mean, you know, you're an artist, so like your heart is in that place. Your soul is in the place of an artist. But at the same time, you're also like, that's a heavy detail to be well, in, a, and, in a realty office, you know? But here's, here's the thread of that story. Everything is so polarized and everyone's so tender about things that they're actually afraid or they don't want to say that they agree. But they all they're all in the same mindset. You just have to get them there. So the imagery in this show, I mean, I've had so much more response from people that are like, oh, thank God you're showing work like this. Mm. You know, and you would be really, really, really surprised. People you wouldn't expect, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, duh. It's, you know, it's a strong narrative. It's a perfect point of view. And it happened. You know, these guys are bearing witness. and. It shows. I want to kind of ask a for a historical question here because, and I'll ask you, Patrick, because, you know, because I'm just getting to know you now is, you know, I wonder, you know, you mentioned right when we came on the air, Uncle James and, you know, your kids (laughs) getting ready to go to, your kids getting ready to go to prom and and Uncle James is, or your kid just went to prom. Uncle James is, knew him since he was a baby. So obviously you all have this like really long standing friendship bond family like bond the whole group of you. i got i just got to interrupt real quick they're going to prom yo <laughs> last weekend okay see and and actually that's I, i'm so glad you interjected bear because to a certain extent do you all feel like and i don't know maybe this is patrick maybe you can speak to this is like you got to be fearless at this point, right? I mean, all of you like have worked together so much. You do all, you've been doing shows like literally for all this time. There must be something at least like liberating in that. Like, you're just gonna, 
you, all you have to care about is the expectations and the standards that your, I mean, that your brothers hold. Yeah. You know, I guess because we do have that history and, it, and it's been so long and we've, this core group has been, you know, I think at least 25 years that we've kind of known each other and, and, and been together. Um, and we've seen, you know, James from coming from not an artistic background to, you know, pushing him to, hey, James, you're going to make it to class, you know. And in the <laughs> beginning, when when I was, you know, just really young and, and James is, you know, coming to pick me up when I was trying to sleep in and, and not go to work. So, you know, we've all kind of come. I've heard that, that story. Before. I've heard that story. I, in fact, I think it was maybe Ahmad was telling me that James was picking him up. So I don't know. Maybe James is just keeping everybody in line. Oh, he's yeah. came to everybody's house <laughs> to pick him up for work. James yeah, came to everybody's house. Pick this, pick this all up. I need to help. Thank God it was a really big truck. Yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. Yeah, it was an enormous truck. Everybody fit in there. Well, yeah. And there were vans and trucks, all kinds of different things with it. But, you know, yeah, James did, you know, kind of hold us all together in that way. And then as we graduated and became full-time members of society and, you know, kind of did different things and went in different directions, you know, we, we still stayed in touch, um, you know, talking to each other, not only just about our lives, but about our work. And speaking of that with Bear, you know, I mean, his, his sons, you know, I mean, he's got older kids than we have. And, you know, we went through that, you know, 10 years ago when, when they were, you know, at prom and then now graduating and active members of society, it's crazy, you know? Um, so we're, I guess I'm kind of at the point where I think I have the youngest of, of all our, our kids. Oh, wow. But yeah. I, I think that, you know, through the work we make, you know, obviously we have a common, kind of history with each other and kind of ideals and those kind of things. But through the work we've made, we, we always have had kind of a, a connection and a, a respect for each, each other's work. We'll bounce ideas off each other. Sometimes other times we're off doing something completely different, you know, and like, you know, Joel in, in his work and, and what he does, you know, he's at, at home and, you know, I don't get to talk to him as much about the work, you know, and through the show that gives us the opportunity to see what we've been doing separately and then coming together as a group. And where, you know, Troy's not here, but Troy has a, always has a say on, you know, good ideas for how to put the show together and, and what we kind of do. So I, I kind of feel like no matter what we're doing, we can always come together once a year or every since COVID every couple of years and, and put something together that, that still has a meaning. So I think it's really interesting how all that happens. And I feel very fortunate to be part of that group of people, you know, in that way. But I think it is something that's a little bit rare to have, you know, this group Definitely. of friends and brothers that we we call each other that no matter how much time passes you know two and a half years of covid and masked and at home and everything else we come right back out and it's just like no time has passed you know we james will have a barbecue we come over no time has passed you know i, I don't feel any like thought of insecurity of being around them or you know i mean we're just we're, we're completely accepted and so it's uh it's a wonderful group to be a part of for sure you're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I am your host, Rob Hessler. Now back to our interview with the artists and the truck. I want to follow up on something you said there and pop on over to you, Joel. Patrick just mentioned how you don't get a chance to necessarily interact, you know, while you're creating work and everything like that. And one of the things I did find fascinating about what you presented in the show you had some you have some um some portraits and then some landscapes and they are most certainly having like a different kind of dialogue with the other works on the walls because they're paintings and there's so much photography in the show and i wonder if you might like how do you feel about that like seeing the work up you come to the show and you're you're kind of fitting into that storytelling 
size thing, but in such a su- such a very different way. I love it. I mean, I love seeing because that's what I primarily work from is photographs. So it's like I'll go out and grab some reference photos wherever it may be. I mean, some of those scenes that I had in the show were around Savannah or the outskirts of Savannah, Port Wentworth and stuff like that. So I just love to work from photo primarily from my background of illustration, being an illustration major. And um, the, the landscapes are something that I think I've been engaging in more in the recent years than in the photo, the portraits, because the portraits, I've always done portraits since college days, but mm-hmm. they kind of evolved a lot. That's interesting. And I mean, I don't know, maybe, um, you know, I want to, Patrick, if you wouldn't mind kind of hitting back on that one, because you mentioned you don't really get the chance to see the work until it's in that space. I mean, what, when you, when you do, when you did see Joel's work and it kind of appears up on the wall and you see your pieces kind of near it and like how they're interacting. I mean, I don't know. What did you think about that? Well, and I, I say that too, you know, obviously, you know, Joel and I follow each other on Instagram. Yeah, of see, course. You know, I'm of not, course, yeah. I'm not as, as, as good about keeping up with that kind of stuff and putting my work in there, you know, as, as most people are, I, I just, you know, kind of check every now and then, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Joel and I went to school together in illustration and then we kind of morphed into painting and, and dealing with that. Photography has always been part of my work also in the fact of taking reference pictures. And, and we did get that kind of ingrained into us in illustration and making sure to get this reference for exactly what you want. So you have the ability to kind of work with that. And that was a struggle I had when going into grad school and painting was my work was too illustrative. You know, it was, it, it was not painterly enough. And so part of that process is like Joel was saying is, is documenting what you're going to be doing. And so I will now, and my process has changed kind of over the years, but now, you know, set it up to take pictures. So in the previous show, in some of those, I, I would take pictures of Joel or James or, you know, cause it was this group of people and I see them as a subject just as much as I see myself. It's not a necessarily a self-portrait, it's just a figure, right? And then once I take that image, I can, through the process of making it, starting to put the values and paint and layering all those things, then coming with drawing is I think about who that person is and what they mean to me and, and, then I think of anatomical aspects and other things. And so my mind just kind of goes and I, I have fun kind of putting things. I don't really have a solid plan of what's going to happen until it <laughs> yeah. happens. And then I have yeah. a bunch of pieces that are, you know, trash right over here in the thing, you know, that I've, you know, cut apart or do more things over the top of, and not everything always works out the way you, you want it to work out. But, you know, um, I, I guess just kind of touching back is that with Joel, with that photography is like part of it. So I feel at, at home also working with people that, to do photography. Um, my wife has been a photographer over the years too. And so I'll get her to take images for me or take my own images. Now I'm working with Procreate and taking images in, manipulate them, then making prints and painting on prints. And, you know, so we kind of did a little bit of that in the, in the last show also, you know, kind of working with James and James will come over and say, Hey, man, let me use a printer, man. You know, we can you know get some prints and, and, and work together. So it's all a, kind of a process, but I, I do mean that because Joel, when he was here in Savannah was living kind of farther away. So it was like, we didn't see each other all the time. So, you know, we, maybe when James had a barbecue or something like that, or we get together for the show. So I guess that's what I mean in that way is that not always seeing the work. Now your original question, sorry, I kind of got off topic. There was, you know, how do we see the work together with it? I think it, you know, it, it's all similar in, in a way that, you know, maybe James might not have all portraits or, you know, bear has a couple of portraits, but, seeing that kind of work in that way is our view on 
our subject matter and what we're looking at. And um, so I, I think it has that kind of common theme, not only just with the sense of balance of the size and those kind of things, but I think it just kind of has that call, commonality to it that when you look at the work, you can kind of step into it. It's not, in my mind, something you just kind of walk by and, and don't kind of get immersed in. And, and mm -hmm. I think that that's really nice about the collection of all the work. One of the things that people outside of our circle don't know is that we all have experimented on in various mediums. When mm -hmm. I first started, I was illustration, you know, then I got into film, you know, uh, and now it's like, for me, photography is like the, the, the blending of my illustration side with my filmmaking side, you know, um, Ahmad does like, had done graphic design and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it, there, there's a lot deeper connection with all of us than just what people see in the, the, the show itself. And I think for us, that connection is, is like what, like, I'll be, be honest, for me, I've been kind of uh, out of the loop. I mean, I, I follow everybody, I talk to everybody, but I haven't been as, as much of a participant, but I know these are my brothers. Mm -hmm. And if I need to get something done, at a moment's moment, I can make a phone call and I know they're going to be there, you know, because we've been through so much and we've seen each other grow. He's right. It's like, we were like, James, how long you been working? So how many classes can you get? You know? <laughs> it's like, dude, you got to use this, you know, and that's what he started to do, you know? So like this, this idea of what sometimes to me, the connection is going to be evident for people coming to see our show. They're like, huh? What's the, and it's just like, yeah, it's deeper. When you sit down and talk to people about what our connection actually is, then they're just like, oh yeah, this is way more than what you see at this one time. Yeah. I'm so, that's literally what I was just about to ask, Bear. Yeah, because I, I would, was feeling I would, it. Yeah. I would definitely agree. I mean, I've been doing this show with these guys for, have we done three, four, three, four. four. And so, you know, we had a little bump during COVID. And on this one, I'm like, who's Paul Bear Brown? How many artists do you have in that truck? Like they keep coming out like a clown car. But I love it because 40 more. I love it because they're all connected and it makes sense and there's a thread. So even when I hang the show, I'm like, oh, there's a point that I can counterpoint with that. It's great. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because as much as I would love to be able to see the work from your perspective, I also think it would be interesting for you all to see the work from like my perspective or Peter's perspective from the outside, because it is sort of an interesting thing. And, and as I've gotten to interview individuals of you and I start to hear like, you know, Patrick talking about getting picked up by James and then me recalling that Ahmad told the exact same story and you start to, you know, like those are those little doorways, I think, into this stuff as a viewer that if you follow along from show to show, you start to kind of grasp, but there's a little mm -hmm. bit of something going on there. And I mm -hmm. want to kind of dovetail over to Ahmad's work because I've been following, actually, I've probably been following Ahmad's work longer than anybody in the group, maybe other than Troy. And I, and I kind of feel like I'm, I'm getting kind of a sense of some of the stuff that you're doing because you know, this with this show, Ahmad, you kind of shifted over to really focusing on flowers, but I do feel like it really is in line with the work that I've seen you do in the past, like 
when you were using like the army figures, for example, or um, the birds, like all those things, it feels like it, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, that's an Ahmad Jackson photograph. So maybe if you could talk a little bit about your decision to kind of recontextualize an object like a flower, which is so you know ubiquitous in photography in a way that kind of says, like I said, a photo by Ahmad Jackson. Well, basically, like you say, with for me personally, I try to like I classically trained graphic design, you know, and I was always felt like if you I have something to say, but I'm not the greatest writer in the world, you know. So I like to take my thoughts and ideals and put them into photography or you know, like conceptually finding objects and putting them together to tell a story. So with this uh with this exhibition, with the with the rose, as you can see, that's basically the thought process of how beauty never actually fades. Mm. You know, when you first pluck a rose, it's red and it's gorgeous and it's open and it smells beautiful. And those roses that's in that image is those are over a year old. Mm-hmm. And if you look at them, they're still beautiful. They're they're you know crusty and falling apart, but you still see the beauty and the, you know, serenity and the peace in them. And if you look at the titles of those images, none of them mention the word rose. It's all about peace and the light and the feeling behind it. And, you know, and that was my thought process with doing those. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the titles because I was actually going to follow up with that because Mm -hmm. the piece that drew me in the most was reaching up. And I was thinking about that when I was looking at the works and, Mm -hmm. and how titling can, you know, impact the way that we look at things. And I was feeling like the titles were really important. And in that particular piece reaching up, it's got like dried roses going in either direction. And and like, as soon as I read the title, it kind of put this whole thing together for me in in my mind and like kind of made some connections for me. So I wonder, you know, like, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, how the titles have, nothing to do with the roses, but obviously they're really well thought out and, and they're important to you in terms of defining the pieces. So talk a little bit about sort of how you kind of work with titling to give the viewer some clues or um, ideas about what you're trying to, the points that you're trying to get across. It's like Bear and Joel and Pat and James can tell you, um, Peter can tell you, most art reflect the times that we're in. And if you can, you, we all know what's going on in the world uh, with all these conflicts that's popping up, you know, popping up over the globe and people saying, you know, America should go over here and do this. America do this. Some people saying we shouldn't. I feel like everybody just need to pump the brakes a little bit and let's just tell everybody to step back and take a deep breath. And uh, when I see those roses, that's like I say, that's what I feel like. It's, it's beauty in the world. You know, try, try not to get too deep, but it might be crumbling, but this is still a beautiful world, you know, and you just got to find the peace in yourself and the peace in this world, you know, to help you make it to the next day. And that was really my thought process and, you know, taking those photographs, you know, I did, you know, experiment with the light and some filters. And like you said, Rob, with the, the image of reaching up, if you step back and look, it's three roses and you can see that the one in the middle is reaching for the light mm-hmm. you can see those lines coming across and up and it's just a you know it's a reflection of like a mental struggle 
that we that we all deal with on a daily basis. And that was that was my thought process. You're listening to Art on the Air here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I am your host, Rob Hessler. Now back to our interview with the artists and the truck. That's really nice. I, I, I love that. And I love the kind of contrast, you know, I mean, to what is going on in the world, because I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm in the same boat as like, you know, even with what I write about. And I kind of talked about at the beginning, like I want to write nice things about like mm-hmm. art that I love. Not I, and it's, it does feel good sometimes to bring just a little bit of something positive into the world when, when things are so dark on so many levels. So, one thing, Rob. One thing, guys. This is exactly how the last conversation started. <laughs> <laughs> And we started talking for another hour. What time is that now? You're absolutely right. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's interesting because I think that you're talking about that on an individual basis. And there are a number of ideas that all of you are putting forth in your own individual work. But I think in terms of a collective vision and in terms of what, the group of you stand for, it is a nice contrast, I feel like, to what we see in daily life. It's a group of people who have managed to stay together through thick and thin and remain friends and brothers and help each other through all of the stuff that we all have to deal with, which is really hard. Through all of that, I mean, managing to kind of continue to do this and and work together and help each other grow. I mean, that core underlying part of this exhibition and, and your group, I think is a nice contrast. People are not together right now. People are divided. And this is not division at all. This is togetherness through thick and thin. And so I think it's really great. Guys, I want to give you, you know, we're going to kind of finish up here, but I want to give each of you an opportunity here, if you don't mind, to let folks know how they can connect with you, you know, on social media, websites, any of that stuff. And I'll start here. I'll go across with my windows here. But Patrick, if you could um, kind of let people know how they can find you, follow you, see what you're up to. Yeah. So briefly, I have um, website, patrickmckinnonfineart.net. And I am kind of sometimes on Instagram. Uh, I do check that. Some of the guys follow me. I, I think it's, you know, I don't even know my Instagram name. Uh, <laughs> I, think <it's, laughs> I think if you type in Patrick McKinnon, you'll find that uh, somewhere in there. But um, I did want to take a, just a brief second here, Rob, to kind of bring up something because what you're talking about with everybody in this kind of group of people. You know, when I came 30 years ago, you know, 1991, you know, James, I, I was a teenager, you know, just coming to, to college, right? I had, you know, a job before then where I I worked, you know, but I didn't really care about what I was doing. And, you know, when I came here and I joined up with, you know, James at first, and then as everybody else kind of, you know, came into that, to that group, James and Eddie, who's, who's not here right now, you know, taught, taught me work ethic and taught me, you know, how to survive in the world and not just be a slacker and not show up to work and do what I needed to do. Ahmad, Joel, Bear, I mean, all of you guys know, you know, the hard work that we did working for the school and working on that truck, you know, I mean, we work incredibly hard for long hours and then we would have a great time and have fun. We've made it through divorces, deaths, you know, funerals, <laughs> weddings, everything else, you know, and, and still kind of stay to that core people. So just to kind of reiterate what you're saying kind of about that, that 
kind of brotherhood. You know, I'm, there are people that I know from high school and maybe I keep in touch with, but these people who we share a common goal and history with each other, I mean, like Bear said, it's, you know, hey, listen, you know, this happened, you know, can you all come over in five minutes? We'll be there, you know, and you don't, I don't, I don't find that anywhere else. You know, Eddie's another one who, again, not here, talks about that, you know, where he moved up to Atlanta, had issues, came back down here. You know, we were, we were there for him. I, I drove to Atlanta and loaded up the truck with him and, you know, took everything back. So just as a, a side note to that, I, I think that there is just this commonality in this kind of group core um, thing with these guys that um, you just, you just can't find anywhere else. And, you know, Joel has now, you know, moved away and kind of dealing with what he's, you know, dealing with where he's going to be. And he'll always be a part of that. And, you know, if he needs us to fly out to Texas, we'll, yeah. you know, be out there to do it. And so that, I, I just think that I, I feel really honored and blessed to be a part of that. So going back to you, Patrick McKinnon, fineart.net. <laughs> and I, I think that you can find me on Instagram looking at, at, at my name there. So thanks. All right. Hey, how about you, James? James Graham uh, on Facebook and y'all boy 161 on Instagram. Dark boy, yeah. No. That was that was a lot shorter than what Patrick had to say. <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> but it was not as profound either. So <laughs> um, Ahmad, yeah, if you would. Same thing, you know, to piggyback, and I'll make it quick to piggyback off what Pat said. Man, like we like I've seriously known these guys since I was 18. Like right out of high school, I started working at SCAD. So, you know, James, Pat, you know, Joe, Eddie, Bear, Keon, everybody, the whole crew. So, man, you know, we might not talk to each other every day, but sometimes when I, you know, James might say, Pat, have to, you know, something's going on with Pat. And I'm like, what? Really? And something's up with Joe. You know, I feel that pain. Even though I talk to him every day, I feel that pain. I feel that joy. So, you know, that it's a real brotherhood. And, and, you know, I, I appreciate these guys, you know, 100%. So, now that, that's out the way. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> you, 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 you missed the idol here. So, you can see me on Instagram, Jackson Blaze Art. You know, I post, you know, not every day, but maybe fairly every other day. Regularly. Yeah, fairly regularly. Yeah. And um, I've been currently working on NFTs, trying to jump into that world. So, if you go to OpenSea, Jackson Blaze Art, OpenSea, I got a few things up. Uh, in the NFT world, you know, the metaverse, trying to get, get, get a plot of land out there in the metaverse, see what happens. Maybe we can all get rich. <laughs> That's all I got. And how about you, Bear? I'm easy. I'm on Instagram at Film Professor Bear. That's usually where I post stuff, you know. And the one of the things that as the, 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 the host of this or the writer of the article, if you like to express that there are things that we all have been through together that have bonded us in ways that I can't even really describe. Like, for example, um, my daughter, we're talking about like the ages, my daughter's 30 years old. Right. So I remember when she was born, Eddie and Eggie coming over and picking her up and singing these like lullabies to her and stuff like that. So she would go to sleep so I could come to work. You know, I mean, like, that's how tight we are with different things, you know? So yeah, like when we say like we're, 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 there's a bond that I, I don't know how else to describe it other than brothers, you know? And like with, with Joel, 
now being where he is, I don't care where we go in the world. We know everybody's just a phone call away, you know. And speaking of Joel. Uh, you can find me at uh, Joel Crow Art on Instagram. I do have a website, but it's kind of going through some revisions right now. So, uh, so I'm going to give the last word here to Peter. You've had the opportunity. This is the fourth exhibition that you did. You had the opportunity. You, in terms of outsiders, maybe you probably know them better than most. Any last thoughts? Uh, I will say every time we do a show, I their love and their brotherhood is palpable. I can't explain it. It's there. It's real. It's apparent. And I'm like, um, can I be an honorary member? Come on, <laughs> throw me one. But in all seriousness, they are so tight. They're so great. Uh, they're, it reminds me very much of a uh, core group of people I know from junior high. And we're still friends <laughs> 45 years later. Like we've been through a lot. And so I see that in you guys. And I'm like, oh, my God. You, you guys, you, you have it and you're all artists and that's incredible. So all I have to say is look on locationgallery.net, come see us in person, buy some work because the gallery profits are being donated to World Central Kitchen to, field, to mm. feed Ukrainian refugees. And so far we've raised over $1,000 and look for us again in 2023, right, James? Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Patrick McKinnon, James Graham, Ahmad Jackson. I'm going to give you your full name here, Bear, even though I've been calling you Bear this whole time. <laughs> Paul Bear Brown and Joel Crow. And of course, Peter Roberts, artist and curator over at Location Gallery. Thank you all so much for coming on Art and the Air today. It was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners, and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming, and it doesn't just mean that we are a voice for the community. It also means that we are counting on the community to keep us going, and you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to wruu.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Are you hesitant about receiving the coronavirus vaccination? Contact your physician. It is estimated that 97% of all physicians have been vaccinated. What do they know that you don't know? Or talk to a friend or relative who has been vaccinated and find out why they have taken it. 
For more information, contact www.cdc.gov. Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here again on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. This is Art on the Air. Thanks for tuning in. We started the show with my interview with the artists in the truck, but we are not done this week. We have another interview, Samantha Mack, talking about her exhibition that is opening this weekend over at Sulphur Studios. Let's get right into it from her studio. Enjoy. Rob Hessler here with Art on the Air Field Notes. I am in Samantha Mack's studio and today we're going to be talking about Through a Kaleidoscope. So why don't you tell us what Through a Kaleidoscope is all about? So the show is called Through a Kaleidoscope based on this idea that life is a perpetual process of reorientation, um, that we never really settle or come to a conclusion about what life means because there are no, there is no one answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this sort of perpetual tension within ourselves because we're a synthesis between spirit and body so on the one hand we're capable of thought and emotion and and profound connection but on the other we are animals and like any other living thing we will die Um, and so we're wrestling with that constantly Um, but to me that's one of the most compelling things about art and about making things is that we make things anyway and all the more fervently and with more urgency because we have limited time Um, and that's what I love. One of the things I love about art. Well, I want to ask you, that is so deep and profound and I can't wait to talk about the (laughs) philosophy because I love that I can really geek out on philosophy when it comes to this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. especially in terms of a radio show where we have kind of a nice long time that we can talk about it. But I also want to talk about what your work is exactly like physically what it is, because I think... When I saw that you're getting MFA in painting, and if people see that those words on paper, they probably have one idea of what that means. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really seeing a lot of painting. So why don't you describe <laughs> kind of what your work is? Yeah, so I, I go all over the place in terms of material based on the ideas that I'm having. Mm-hmm. Sort of the idea comes first, and then whatever material is best suited to that idea is how it ends up being realized. So I started out, one of the reasons I chose painting specifically um, when I was looking at different programs at SCAD was that there was such an openness to exploring mm, okay. different materials if you wanted to. So I started painting and drawing maybe the first quarter that I was there and then immediately veered off into all kinds <laughs> of different territory. So we're like surrounded right now by uh, thousands of crocheted butterflies and this crocheted cushion and the light. Um, and the crochet comes from my great grandmother. Um, so she did that and it has been passed down to me and there's something very, um, cyclical about that. Yeah. If I could just interrupt you really quickly, because I want to read this from your artist statement and we can build off because it's so beautifully written. When I was born, my great grandmother, Ida crocheted a blanket for me. When she died, she was buried with a pillow I made for her. We come full circle like crochet. We work in the round following each other's paths eyes and hands tracing the same small meditative motions that came before i pick up the stitch where my grand my great-grandmother left off i mean it's just so beautiful yeah because crochet is very cyclical and has this infinite potential to be continued because it's 
uh, you're working with a hook and you're creating these loops, you can always work back into the edge of something and extend it. And I have pieces of crochet that my great-grandmother made for me that could potentially be extended into and yarn that she has passed down to me. Right. Um, and it's also a very, it's like an innately human activity because unlike some other fibrous processes, it can't be uh, quite replicated by machine. You can machine knit, um, but you can't really machine crochet. Right, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that, but that's a really good point. Yeah, so there's something very, and especially when you combine it with the light, um, there's something very biological or referencing the biological about that. Yeah, and so let's talk about light because you recently actually had a piece in the in the drive through art box that you did with John Witzke, a light piece that you did over there, which is really cool because I, I hadn't, I know other artists have used light in that space before, but that was kind of like an ever-changing sort of light piece. And I guess that's probably a big part of the reason why, like what I was thinking about in terms of your art. And also your Instagram, I think, has a lot of light stuff going on on it. But talk to me a little bit about like how you integrate, and for the audience who's maybe listening, how you integrate kind of light into these pieces. Because you are, I mean, they're kind of like, technologies that you don't necessarily think like okay crochet which as you are talking about your great-grandmother and mm -hmm. I mean honestly like the stuff you're doing with light now didn't even exist when your great-grandmother probably first learned to crochet so there's kind of this interesting juxtaposition between something very old and something very new in terms mm -hmm. of like artistic practices right exactly yeah that's feedback that I've gotten a lot is that it's like carrying the crochet into the future in a way and continuing it on um, with this more contemporary medium, but I was initially drawn to light um, for its sort of spiritual quality. Oh, okay. Like we think of light as this spiritual medium, but I've also been realizing that it's somewhat, like it's artificial as well, because I have to maintain these pieces. I have to put batteries into them, and like right. if I'm not caring for them, it's almost like they're on life support, because if I'm not caring for them and maintaining them, then that part of it goes away. But what's embedded in the crochet itself is also very spiritual and meditative. Wow, what an interesting thought that are on life support, like without when the batteries die, like it's your responsibility to care for them. Because it's interesting, and I've kind of thought about this, and we're going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but mm -hmm. so like I have Alexa at home, right? Like the dot, and you know, like so you I'll like ask Alexa for things, but I have this notion <laughs> that I need to say like please and thank you. I also have a two and a half year old, so like I want him to hear me say please and thank you and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But it's like, that has inherently made me think about like technology, like I treat it like it's something living. Mm -hmm. And the way that you describe that, like on life support, like and sort of caring for the object, like it doesn't work unless you care for it. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, because these these have a lifespan to them. Well, they do have a lifespan, but the lifespan is dependent upon your work. I mean, technically right. they could almost go on in perpetuity. So as long as the environment, which is you or somebody else, like let's say 100, 100 years from now, you're long gone and somebody else decides to put new batteries in your piece, it like will come back to life. They just unearths it, dusts it <laughs> off, and plugs it in. That's interesting. Let's talk about the work in the show here because it's exciting and simultaneously frustrating because mm -hmm. I'm interviewing you before the show's up. That's frustrating because I can't see the show and we can't mm -hmm. talk in amongst the show. But it's also exciting because we're in your studio right now and your studio is insane. <laughs> it's totally full. So there's a lot of things that interest me, but 
nothing is calling out to me as much as all of the canning jars that you have in the stack along one wall. And when we when I say all of them, how many do you have here? Talk about this piece. What is what's going on here? So there are currently this is a series, an ongoing series currently of a thousand butterflies, and each one is unique. Um, so in the process of creating them, I was keeping track of they're each a combination of two colors. Mm. Um, and so the combination might be the same, but there's no arrangement of colors that is the same right. amongst all of them. Um, and that began as a project during quarantine. So it was ah. like all this time to just sit and work on these. Um, and I had already been thinking so much about containment and transformation. Yeah, I was going to say like... Death. So that became all the more salient during COVID um, and just ended up being very related to what I was already thinking about. Um, but the butterflies came from that initially. And I've experimented with different ways of displaying them. Um, but the jars I'm very interested in because they have to do with preservation and right. containment. Um, and so I've been classifying each one of these butterflies. So they each have a unique name um, using binomial nomenclature. Um, and I learned a little bit of Latin and took <laughs> some words from my thesis to, um, to name some of these. And I had fun yeah. with it. Um, and the date that's on the lid of the jar is actually the evening before, uh, the show opens. So, so the show opens on May 12th, um, but on the 11th, uh, the Sulphur crew, we're all going to get together and have a sort of ceremonial lighting of the butterflies. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I have these, uh, LED lights that are going to go inside each one and they will fade and die over time. You can't really replace the batteries in them, but that's intentional. Um, yeah. that it'll dim over the course of the show. But what is preserved in the jar is the memory of that action and the memory that's embedded in the crochet. Wow. You know, this is, um, I mean, you know, you talk about the symbolism of the jar, but of course also like what kid hasn't collected some like dead butterfly in mm -hmm. a jar just like this. I mean, mm -hmm. in fact, at my house, well, that's not a, it's not that canning jar, but it's like, you know, an old pickle jar. We have some butterflies that we've collected at our house. So, like, I understand that. Or they might have gotten dumped out by our child at this point. But point is that they were at one point collected in the jar. So there is also a very sort of straightforward and direct connection to an activity, I think, that people think of, which is, like, if they find a bug and putting it in a jar. But then when you add in all the pandemic stuff and doing it during quarantine and even thinking, like, are like we're the butterfly and we're contained in this thing mm -hmm. and I might also say the whole dimming of the light over time certainly feels very much in line with at least how I experienced the pandemic which was at first it was amazing and then as time went on it was like oh my gosh I missed my fellow butterflies you might say exactly. as time went on so yeah. um that's really fascinating so what are, what are some other things that people can expect in this show like what else are you showing because obviously we're amongst a lot of work here yeah, so I've got, so the light boxes will be a part of the show. We talked a little bit about the light, but those are combining um, some of the crochet, uh, crocheted lace with um, mm -hmm. light. And some of them have a kinetic element, so some of them are motorized. Um, so there's going to be a lot of shifting color. The show, the gallery will be entirely dark, um, save oh, for the work. Wow. So the work will be the only thing illuminating things. And there will also be a film element, too. So video is another thing I work with, and I'll be creating a sort of theater space within the gallery. Um, and then I've crocheted some seating 
I have these, I call them kaleidoscopic crochet cushions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They're really, relaxing. it's really beautiful. You know, Thank it's you. funny because maybe this is just a time thing because you mentioned your great grandmother knitting you a crochet blanket. And like, I remember I had a crochet blanket like as a kid and my sister too, but my wife or I, we don't crochet at all, but my brother-in-law's wife's sister, I don't know how they exactly relate, but she's a Finnish woman mm -hmm. and she crocheted a blanket for my son. And there is a very much a feeling of like, to me, that connection to like a kid gets one of these things. And mm -hmm. the colors and everything are kind of almost childish, playful, I might mm -hmm. say, at least in the one that I'm looking at right here. So it's kind of an interesting, I don't know, there's something nostalgic, something deeply seated, I think, in it, in a way. You know, like for me personally, like when I see crochet at this scale, you know, I mean, if you just see a little bit of crochet or it's done in a, in a weird way, then maybe it's not as much. But I think at this scale kind of makes me feel like a childhood connection, a childlike connection. Yeah, um, that's been one of the things that's been really cool about it is that I hear a lot of people's family stories just from, they see this and then they share stories like that with the connection to crochet. So that's been a really interesting part of it because, yeah, my, like my great-grandmother um, would make a blanket for each new child in the family. Um, and now mm. I've taken that on. Like I've made blankets for oh, my younger amazing. cousins. And um, I have an older cousin who is now learning um, and getting into it. So it's really exciting to share that too. That's so cool. I want to ask you to shift gears a little bit here because we've been talking about some of the philosophy in your work and some of the work itself, but you're also going to be doing an artist talk in conjunction with your show. Talk a little bit about that and what people can expect there. Yeah, so that'll be on Saturday the 21st at 2 p.m. Um, it'll be in person in the gallery at Sulphur Studios, and it'll also be simulcast on Instagram Live. Uh, so if you go onto the Sulphur Studios Instagram on that day, you'll be able to just click the icon and watch from there too. And I'll be speaking a little bit initially in the beginning about some of the ideas, and then it'll open up to, to questions. Yeah, so for those who, and maybe even me, who ha aren't able to see all of the work just yet. Well, I'll probably come, I will come by the opening, so we'll see if, if I have more questions when I get to finally see everything, but that'll be, that'll be really cool. So we've been talking a lot about your work and the show specifically, and we have not yet mentioned that you're also part of the crew here at Sulphur and mm -hmm. Art Southeast, and you have been for a while, and I will just say for those out there listening who might be looking to see if Sam might be a potential employable person. Sam has been great. Actually, I've been working with you with press releases and all this stuff, and you're always like right back to me and, and always giving me contacts and helping me out with setting up interviews with folks. But I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit because that's been a big part of your last couple of years too, and really not just working on your own work, but being a part of probably the biggest art hub in Savannah in terms of like stuff that's happening and a lot of exciting young artists are doing stuff here. Talk a little bit about your role here at Sulphur if you could just for people who maybe I mean some, a lot of people might have might know your face just from coming into the gallery over the last couple of years. Yeah that's true. Yeah I mean I first of all want to thank everyone at Sulphur Studios from the bottom of my heart for making Silver Studios what it is and for allowing me to be here and work here and learn here. 
I'm learning so much here right. and I f- it's I'm so thankful to be involved in something so special because it, it's like you're saying it really does feel like it's at the heart of so much of what is going on mm-hmm. in the amazing art world in Savannah um, I feel very lucky to be here um, I am the gallery assistant and director of public relations at Sulphur Studios. Um, so I help out with a lot of day-to-day tasks involving exhibitions. So you might see me on Sundays um, when I usually gallery sit. I also help um, install the exhibitions and reset the gallery and just communications with, yeah. uh, with uh, yeah. people like you, Rob, uh, to get the word out about things that we have going on. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been, um, like I said, it's been a pleasure working for you. I wanted to, a- working with you, I wanted to ask you, you know, now that you were, I kind of started chatting with you when I first walked in before we were recording, you know, how you feeling like you're getting to the end of school and you're like, oh, I might want, wouldn't mind going to get a doctorate or whatever. But I do kind of wonder, what are your plans now? You know, I'm sure you've kind of looked a little bit to the future or, you know, you're, you're getting this, this is kind of a big moment for you with the exhibition, but I'm wondering, you know, what your feelings are. Are you planning on staying in Savannah? What kind of ideas are you thinking about in terms of, of like your future once you're done with SCAD you're, and your painting? Yeah, absolutely. Masters. Yeah. I mean, I'm very excited. I'm definitely sticking around Savannah uh, for at least a couple of years here. There's so much going on and so much to do. And I already have so many ideas for what I want to make going forward. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Jennifer Moss about this. Um, we had a studio visit a while back, and she was saying the exhibition can make it feel like you have to do everything right now, um, all of your current ideas, yeah, and then yeah, you'll be yeah, satisfied yeah, yeah. somehow. But no, like I'll always be chasing that, and I have this whole backlog of things I want to make. So I'm very excited, very thankful to have a studio here at Sulphur. Um, so if you ever want to come by and see me, um, I do have a studio here. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's the first door on the left. If you enter in through the main entry area where all the Art Southeast sort of storefront is and you start down the hallway, it'll be the first door on the left, which I didn't even know. I, I mean, I guess I presumed that you had a studio space here, but I like never even thought, uh, like, obviously I should come and see it. So, <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, so Sam, let's, let's kind of round this off here. So Samantha Mack through a kaleidoscope is May 12th through the 28th with the reception on Friday, May 13th from 6 to 9 p.m. But if people are interested in learning more about you and your work, any other details you want to give, tell us how to, how they can do that, how people can do that. Sure, yeah. So yeah, you can visit me. I'm here pretty often uh, during open hours, Thursday through Sunday. I'm usually gallery sitting on Sundays, uh, at least lately, from 12 to 5. I have an Instagram, so Samantha D. Mack. M-A-C-K is my Instagram. Uh, my website is samanthamacart.com. And I also have a little tab on the Sulphur Studios website. If you go down to Our Artists and click on my name, you can find more of my work there. Um, and I also just want to say thank you again to you, Rob. Of course. And to Sulphur Studios, um, to my friends and family, uh, my partner Yvonne, who has been with me through the entire roller coaster of this thing. Um, and to my professors and colleagues at SCAD. So I love you all, and I will see you at the show. (laughs) Samantha Mack, thank you so much for being on Art on the Year today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, 
broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.